Hi, everybody. Thank you for coming. Uh, my name is Vanessa Richardson. I, I guess I'm just going to sit and not stand because it's a little intimate gathering, but I wanted to say welcome. Um, I'm, so my name is Vanessa Richardson. I'm an executive director of California Groundbreakers. That's such a very lofty title for such a small organization that I just started back in May. But um, the goal is to have a civic engagement organization here in the Sacramento area um, that focuses on what's going on here in the region but also around the state in terms of innovations and the people who are doing innovative things in everything from the arts to agriculture to education to um, policy and politics and um, new laws and uh, a whole bunch of other stuff. And I just want to make sure I can hear myself, but can you hear me okay? All right, good. Um, we're going to be recording this for a podcast, so uh, I just want to let you know that up front, and that will come into play after I give you my spiel about who I am and what I'm trying to do and why you're here. So I grew up here in Sacramento in Carmichael, and I think like many kids, I was... This town is so boring. It's such a cow town. I'm out of here. And I left at age of 18, vowing never to come back. And I did last year, but very uh, happily willing to do so. And I think like many of you who have come here from elsewhere or have stayed here and seen a lot of change, it has really changed. Uh, a lot of stuff is going on. And I lived in San Francisco for a while. I don't know if uh, any of you are familiar with the Commonwealth Club in San Francisco. That's a nonprofit. They have events. Uh, pretty much every night that cover these things that are going on in the Bay Area, nationally, globally. But I put on events. It was very interesting to, to go to an event every night on anything from, you know, how China's economy is going to affect our economy uh, to why dating is so difficult in San Francisco, which I have to say was a sellout. It was, I put that event together and it was one of the most popular. So you just never know what will attract people. But in, in theory, it was the, the, the point was there are all these things happening in the area that people wanted to know about, and there were the people who were doing these things that were there that were talking about what they could do, and then the audience could ask questions at a mic or give their opinion or give their business card saying, I can help you, or I would love to volunteer for your effort. So there was a lot of interaction. So I thought, why can't we have one here? We are the capital, well, Sacramento is the capital, but a lot of innovative things come out of Sacramento that affect the state, the nation, the world. And then we have a lot of things going on in terms of what's affecting us or what's going to. So there's a lot of people like these gentlemen here who are know what's going on, and there's a lot of people like me and you who want to know what's going on, so why not have a forum to bring, bring those two groups together? So this is, I think, officially the sixth event that I've done. Uh, I started with one in June on the art scene in Sacramento, um, trying to make that a bigger thing. How can that be done? I did one on the craft beer scene. Uh, as you know, there's like a brewery seeming to open up every month uh, in the area. And what does that mean? Um, last night, we had one at uh, Sudwork in Davis on ag tech, because Yolo County is a big hub for that. It's basically a sleeping giant. There's so much going on there that's really going to affect the county, the farm to fork economy. So again, things like this that are happening here and. You, you may know a little bit about it, you may not know anything about it, but you come away from, I came away from these panels thinking, wow, there's a lot going on. 
um, upcoming ones. This is actually what I'm calling, this event is part of a series I'm calling Policy in a Pint. Like I said, where the, there's a lot of uh, policy local and statewide that comes out of this area. And it's very, um, it can be very intimidating, especially when a lot of these things have acronyms and you don't know about them, but you are, a, I'm a voter, I'm a taxpayer, I'm a resident, it affects me. But I don't have the time or the money or, or maybe the um, inclination to go to a lunch on Capitol Avenue and, and I'm not a mover or shaker, but these are still things that affect me. So I just thought there's probably others like me who feel that same way. Why not have a talk about something kind of heavy duty in, an, in a place that's a little more relaxed, informal, and conversational. I think that changes the tone. So I want to thank Andy Klein for being kind of like a test pilot guinea pig place in terms of having the pints to go along with the policy discussion. Because I just think that's, uh, again, like last night, it was at Sedwork, and it just really made it, I think people relaxed, and it was a little more intimate, like this. Um, one other thing I wanted to say before we get into the event, um, I'm a one-person show. I do have an advisory panel that's helping me. I got a website up. I got a MailChimp uh, email list ready to go. So I'm starting small, but the goal is to aim big. I need help, though, and I need help from all of you in terms of what you, what you think would be good events, what you want to hear about in terms of like a policy to pint, what kind of topic would you be interested in that you think others would would want to come out for this kind of thing on a rainy night when there's a Halloween party blocking off Vernon Street. Um, what would be a good venue besides Monk Cellar? What's another good place? Um, uh, who I should you know, promote the events to? I want to thank the Chambers of Commerce. They were very helpful in spreading the word and of course the panelists. But basically, it's, I just can't do this on my own. I need the help of, of you. So uh, CaliforniaGroundbreakers.org. You can also give me your business card if you like or some your name and email. I'll add you to the mailing list because once election day is done, I'm going to start planning events for 2017. And I'd like your feedback and I'd also like you to know. So now going into the event, um, it's going to be a moderated panel. And I'm going to ask questions for the panelists for about 45 minutes. And depending on whether you're nodding off or whether you're still alert, then I will turn it over to you. And there is a mic right there in the back by the gentleman with the blue tie. Don't, you don't have to move. We just wanted to put it kind of there so that it would not be in the middle of things, but still easy access. So I would say 45 minutes, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a heads up like, OK, let's line up behind the mic. Uh, and you could ask your questions or give your opinion. I do want to say, you know, let's not have a long run-on question, or if you have a multiple question, keep it brief. And then just in general for everybody, um, I know this is not going to turn into a heated debate uh, like Donald or Hillary style. We're all adults. We could all, <laughs> because this is a podcast, and when people's voices gets raised, it does change the mic level, and and can't do a podcast, but. So I don't need, I have faith that we can keep it civil, we can keep it rational, we can keep it civilized. So, um, and then just basically the reason for this event is I'm not a, I don't live in Placer County, uh, but I do drive through here, I do drive to the gallery, I dread it. Um, and so I'm voting on measure B in Sacramento, which is very similar to the one here. And it's gonna be, well, kind of, there's, but there's 16, if I'm, if correct me if I'm wrong, there's 16 or so ballot measures around the state where counties are asking voters um, 
help us with the transportation issue, right? So this is one. So it definitely is whatever way it's gonna go, it says something about the future of transportation here in Placer County. So, with that being said, I'm going to let the panelists introduce themselves, starting with the gentleman on my um, left and going down. And I wanted to ask you just to introduce your name, where you work, um, your, your role there. And then I always like to ask a personal note just to make you seem like a real person. Um, Placer County, I'm kind of new to the area, so I always like to ask for recommendations about where to go. So I like to ask like a, your favorite hangout in Placer County, whether it's a, a hike in near Lake Tahoe or a certain bar around the corner, a restaurant, or to some place. So name, work, and favorite place in Placer County. Thank you very much, and I'm, I'm pleased to be a part of this this evening. My name is Kirk Euler. I'm a business owner here in Placer County. I have two different technology startups. One is uh, pre-revenue, the other is uh, revenue positive and growing. So that's very exciting. I'm also a member of the Placer County Board of Supervisors. I was just uh, elected to my fourth term in June. I served my first term back in the um, uh, early 90s. Uh, my family moved to Placer County in 1970 from Southern California. My father was an appointee in the Reagan administration when Reagan was governor. And my dad actually uh, drafted the very first uh, state spending limit that Ronald Reagan put on the ballot, Prop 1. Unfortunately, that lost. Otherwise, uh, we might not be here talking about the need to uh, increase the sales tax had we effectively restrained spending in the state going back quite a while. Um, my favorite place in Placer County is the top of uh, the Granite Chief chairlift at Squaw Valley. I uh, spent 10 years coaching for the Squaw Valley ski team. I did one year over at Kirkwood, uh, and then uh, 10 years at Squaw Valley coaching for the ski team there. All right, Jeff. All right, uh, my name is uh, Jeff Flint. I'm a resident of Rockland, California. I've lived in Placer County now for, when did I move here? 2005. Uh, so I've lived in Placer County for 11 years. Um, I, uh, I'm the owner of FSB Core Strategies, which is a political consulting and public relations firm that's got offices in Orange County and Sacramento and Roseville. Um, and I, am, I happen to be the campaign manager for the S on Measure M campaign right now. Um, so I think that's why I'm here tonight. Um, I've got uh, a wife and five kids. Um, there in Rockland, are we, uh, I've got three daughters at uh, Whitney High School in Rockland. I have a junior, a sophomore, and a freshman um, daughter at, uh, so three girls uh, each a year apart in, um, uh, so that's interesting. Um, <laughs> uh, I, have a, I have a son that's uh, out of school and in, uh, in uh, a sophomore at uh, Cal Poly Pomona studying aerospace engineering and I have a, and, uh, an extra child that uh, showed up 10 years after the other ones uh, through some uh, uh, inter divine intervention, we'll call it. So, um, yeah, that's um, I um, favorite place. I, I have a lot of favorite places, but uh, I'm a big soccer guy. My kids all play soccer. I'm the president also of Placer United Soccer Club. And so I'm going to say any time I'm out at a soccer field watching my kids play or one of the kids in our club play is a good day. Um, so we, uh, so I'm just going to say any soccer field in town is, uh, is my favorite spot. All right. 
Hi, I'm Michael Garabedian. Uh, my, I'm retired. My last job was working for the state of California doing agricultural land protection. My career consistently through different things has been helping people get what they need out of bureaucracies. Uh, now doing it retired and for the Sierra Club. Um, I wandered into, uh, in 1999, he decided to hike up the North Fork American River from Discovery Park. And that got me into the North Fork and made me stay uh, develop my interest in the, in the county here. Um, the um, the part of my, the part of my vocation that I discovered was uh, I was uh, the chief of staff to Senator Roseanne Vuich, who was elected in 1976, our first state woman senator, and she was elected to build a freeway to be build Freeway 41 in downtown. That was the major issue that caught on in her race. Now, I'm from a, a family that opposed the Panhandle Freeway in San Francisco. So 12 years later, I was working to build one, and that was my job for her. I sat in on the meeting with her and Adriana Gianturco, Governor Duran's first Department of Transportation ch uh, ch chief, who was opposed to freeways and was there to, to stop, stop building them. Um, and we can, it, it, there's, we can maybe discuss later if folks want the difference between how she got a freeway built and why this won't work this time for folks. Uh, my favorite place in the county is the North Fork American River, as you might have guessed from what I've said earlier. And I have a, my son, Ben, is uh, about 32 days from the end of his medical school. Hi, I'm Tom Hudson. I'm the executive director and PAC treasurer for the California Taxpayer Protection Committee. I'm also the president, um, um, recently the president of the Placer County Taxpayers Association here at home. We're affiliated with the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. Uh, by day, I'm a tax attorney. I've also worked for the legislature, uh, uh, and as a matter of fact, Jeff Flint here tonight was my boss, actually, 20 years ago, and uh, want to let you know that I was the principal consultant for the Assembly Transportation Committee for the Assembly Republican Caucus, uh, back when our own local uh, Dave Cox was the Assembly Republican leader. So I've got some background in transportation issues as well. Um, let's see, I live in a ranch on the west end of the county. I like to say I'm the second driveway in the county. Uh, depending on which way you're coming from. And uh, for Vanessa's benefit, I would say one of my favorite spots in the county, we have the, the highest bridge in the state of California. Talk about the American River, the, uh, the Forest Hill Bridge. And so I recommend you head out there, park your car, walk across it. It's, it's a great view and a fun place. And, and maybe someday you'll see the Auburn Dam uh, flooding that canyon, but maybe not anytime soon. <laughs> okay, thank you guys. Um, so I wanted to give, start with a brief summary of Measure M, kind of the background up into, uh, until now. Um, so Kirk, I wanted to ask what the background behind it, because I know as Placer County Supervisors this was discussed, the background behind why it was created and why it was put on the ballot for this year. Measure M uh, was the, um, the result of about five years of work by members of the community, various stakeholders, uh, environmental groups, taxpayer groups, business groups, local uh, government representatives, to look at our long-term transportation and transit needs in Placer County, both on uh, the West Slope down here and on the East Slope in Tahoe. And uh, so as we look at projected growth in our county based on the projected state population numbers, uh, we started to say, okay, what are realistically uh, we expecting by way of population and what will that mean in terms of our existing capacity and how will existing capacity need to expand? 
and how will our existing finance mechanisms uh, accommodate those future needs? And so when we looked at our existing finance mechanisms, which is primarily uh, the uh, uh, gasoline tax and developer fees, which every jurisdiction charges and every jurisdiction charges to the maximum amount allowed by law, when we looked at those two things, we realized there was just a significant delta in uh, what the future needs were gonna be versus what we uh, had the ability to pay for uh, given our developer fees and our anticipated gas tax receipts. And so uh, over the course of the five years, the, the, the group uh, worked on a plan that was based around what are the projects, uh, the 8065 interchange, improvements to Highway 49. The vast majority, unfortunately, of these improvements are to uh, uh, roadways that should be state responsibilities and or federal responsibilities. And so that's kind of the background on how it all came together. Uh, then PCTPA, the, the t planning agency, uh, myself and Supervisor Holmes sit with representatives of each of the incorporated cities. So it's a nine member board. We have one at large person who represents the Tahoe area. The nine member board voted to move forward and place it on the ballot. And then subsequently, each of the jurisdictions voted to place it on the ballot. Okay, and so I'm gonna test your knowledge since you're the yes on Measure M. I did read the, uh, the uh, not brochure, but the Placer County Planning Agency had the Keep Placer moving. So I read the in Transportation Investment Plan. And it seems like there is, there's the breakdown percentage-wise of where the money will be allocated, and then projects, I guess, that are top priority. So can you do the breakdown of where the money will go in terms of type of transportation, and then what the first project, second, third, you know, like the high-priority projects that are planned if this passes? Jeff. Sure. Uh, yeah, happy to do that. So um, Measure M is a, um, is a half percent um, loc what they call local option transportation sales tax, which is the sort of the mechanism that's set up in state laws for local governments um, and local jurisdictions that want to have local money to be able to deal with their transportation need. Um, in this particular case, um, the, uh, and, and by the way, I should mention in, in sort of, you know, part of the question is, um, what will that money pay for? And, and, and the state law that governs these requires not only um, voter approval at a two-thirds level to pass the tax, but it requires it to be tied to a specific transportation expenditure plan, which Supervisor Euler mentioned over the course of, of several years of public um, input and outreach to a variety of stakeholders, elected officials, local leaders, local community groups was developed. And it, um, uh, and so the transportation expenditure plan or investment plan that's, that's attached to Measure M um, is about 45% um, uh, freeway projects um, and, and major road projects, and those are projects of regional significance. 30% um, um, of every dollar collected goes back um, on a formulaic basis to local jurisdictions, cities, and the county. And it's a formula that's used right now that's based on a kind of a weighted average of of road miles and population in each jurisdiction. And there's a minimum that so that some of the smaller cities like Loomis and Colfax get some appreciable amount of money every year, which otherwise they would get very little under the formula. Um, I believe 12% uh, approximately goes to transit. Um, 
and let me think, I've done 87% there. The balance is um, bike and pedestrian projects and then um, a 1% cap on administration and overhead. Oh, right, the, and right, then there's a, there's, right. There's a, there's a portion, a, a little less than 5% that's set aside basically for um, things that we didn't think of, for lack of a better term, because we're in a situation where things, both in terms of transportation technology, are changing quickly, and we didn't want to um, make the assumption that we knew every transportation need that the county would have for the next 30 years, so we set aside um, uh, about 4.5% for um, uh, discretionary projects based on future need or, or unanticipated need that might crop up over the next um, uh, over the next 30 years. Now going back to each of the categories and giving you kind of the headlines of each one, the, the major freeway and road component includes um, the 8065 interchange which um, I don't think I need to tell anybody who lives and drives in Placer County what a mess that is. Um, you can talk about why it's built that way with your uh, your friend uh, Jerry Brown's transportation uh, uh, secretary and why it's built that way, but it is, um, and it's a mess, and it needs to be fixed. Um, Highway 65, which is really the economic backbone of um, South Placer County, um, it's two lanes uh, through for most of the uh, of the stretch, and it um, and so this has a significant widening of Highway 65. Um, Highway 49, um, most of the Highway 49 uh, improvements are really um, just making uh, a road that goes from three to two and back to three and back to two and has um, retail right on a, a freeway uh, or a highway that moves a lot of people. And so you have a situation where the lack of turn pockets, lack of pedestrian um, access in um, portions of it create a situation where it gets backed up um, because you have um, choke points that appear and disappear. And, um, and this is uh, 49 when you hit, uh, when you go off 80 in Auburn to the Nevada County line, is that the stretch? It, it goes, the, the, the project um, on Highway 49 goes up as far as Dry Creek. Dry Creek, okay. Um, um, it has a widening of Baseline Road as part of it, and it has, um, uh, in terms of the, the major projects, there's also um, fixing um, three or four interchanges that are um, old and poor design and need to be um, either reconfigured or rebuilt uh, based on um, current traffic volume. Uh, it has really what's um, effectively a, a bridge financing mechanism to allow the Placer Parkway to be built much faster and much more efficiently than it might otherwise be built. That is a, a new six-lane expressway uh, at the, um, from the Whitney Ranch Interchange, which was just opened last month. Um, across Western Placer County um, through Sutter County connecting up um, to Highway 99 uh, in alignment with Sankey Road right now. So it, it goes um, from Whitney Ranch across industrial to Fitiment and it kind of curves down a little bit and then it goes across roughly in alignment with Sankey Road and connects to, um, uh, to Highway 99. Um, the, yeah, and, and my, uh, my, my aide will show you the uh, the map. We're unrolling um, a map here for those who are here. Um, so and, yes, there's a. So this is the Placer. That's the Placer, Placer Parkway. Parkway. Um, and, and part of the, the 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 theory behind the Placer Parkway as well as well as um, Baseline Road is um, needing a an additional way for people to be able to get um, east and west through the county without um, f requiring everybody to drive 
down 65 through the 80, 65 interchange, and then take I-80 to Sacramento, whether you're going to, the, to Sacramento, to the Bay Area, to the airport right now, um, other than taking back roads, which we all do from time to time. That's the, um, that's the only way to get there. Um, the road portion, as I mentioned, is, is sent back um, uh, to each local jurisdiction on a formulaic basis. Um, that money they can use for anything from um, uh, road maintenance and filling potholes, which every jurisdiction uh, in the county right now, the county itself on county roads in every city in the county, uses every penny they get from gas tax right now on road maintenance and it's less than half of what the recommended amount that needs to be spent to maintain the roads. Um, we can talk about why the gas tax as a funding formula doesn't work anymore. Um, I'm sure that'll be part of the conversation. The transit component, there's really um, two or three big pieces to that, the most significant of which is a third track uh, within the existing Union Pacific right-of-way between Sacramento and Roseville. Uh, a third track of rail for um, passenger only. That's a very heavily congested and very heavily used um, train route for freight. Um, and so right now Union Pacific only allows one train per day from Placer County um, to Sacramento and beyond. By adding a third track within existing right-of-way, it would allow up to train 10 trains per day from Roseville to Sacramento and beyond and ultimately four trains per day from Auburn and Rockland stations, um, uh, again, on through Sacramento and beyond. And that's a significant investment in transit. There's also, um, Placer County has very popular, very successful um, commuter bus service right now, which are really, um, uh, every seat on the buses are taken right now. And so there's um, funding in the plan to expand the uh, commuter bus service for people who don't want to drive um, to Sacramento to work, um, that want to um, be able to take the commuter bus. Um, that's in there. Bike and pedestrian, um, uh, that includes both um, building out bike lanes where, where it's needed and pedestrian routes where, where those are available, as well as a funding um, program called Safe Routes to Schools, which is a grant-based program that allows um, local jurisdictions to apply for money where you have a safety issue near a school where it's unsafe for kids to walk or bike to school. Um, and, um, and there's a lot of schools in the county that have that kind of a situation, so this would be a grant-based program where funding is set aside for crosswalks and pedestrian routes and sidewalks and bike lanes so that um, parents can have their kids bike or walk to school without um, uh, thinking that they're going to be mixing with car traffic and being in unsafe situations. Um, and then finally, as, as the supervisor reminded me, we have a portion of the fund set aside for um, um, for unanticipated or future transportation needs that, again, um, while we like to look as far out as we can and be as smart about planning as we can going out, um, we're not um, uh, so arrogant as to think that we know everything that the county is going to need, so we set aside a portion of the funds uh, that on a competitive basis could be used um, uh, when some future transportation need comes up, and, um, and those funds would be available for that. I Thank think you. that's the uh, that's the quickie. That's the quickie. Okay, as quick as There's you can a lot get. in there. Okay, so uh, so I I got two people who are for Measure M and then two people who are against. So thank you. I just wanted to say thank you, panelists, for coming. I didn't say that. In I was just providing facts there. I wasn't advocating yet. I know. No, I know. I know. But I wanted to say I wanted to say I think like a lot of people who are voting, they go to the voter guide, you know, and they read the. Uh, 
who's for it, who's against it, the yes and the no. Oh, thanks, Tom. Uh, and I saw, Tom, that you were the author of the no, that, that brief, you know, summary that you have to squeeze into the box. But what was noticing to me, like one of the statements against Measure M is, many of the projects promised will never be completed without future revenue increases. So I have a list of questions that you know break down into categories, but I wanted to get the, the top overview of what that statement means. What, what does it mean when you don't think these projects are gonna come down without the future revenue increase? What are these future revenue okay, increases? Okay, uh, I have two parts to that answer. The first part I wanna illustrate, um, emphasize that the measure, the measure itself in the ballot summary, it lists a whole bunch of projects that they hope to be able to build. Something like $2.8 billion worth of projects, in fact. This is a tax that over 30 years they're estimating will bring in $1.6 billion, and yet they're promising $2.8 billion of projects. So this is, now let's be very clear, this is before inflation, this is before cost overruns, this is before all the unanticipated expenses that always happen in federal mandates and problems with the legislature, and all the things that actually increase costs, before all those things are included, they're already out of whack by nearly 100%. So, so that's problem number one, is that we're being promised far more than we can deliver. I mentioned I'm the statewide executive director of the California Taxpayer Protection Committee. I'm involved with a lot of other tax groups. One of the things we see all over the state is exactly this same pattern, where to get something passed, they have a grab bag of goodies, they run around promising everybody, every project under the world, and when those projects don't get built and could never have been built with the funding that they're promising, they come back and say, oh, we're gonna to need to increase taxes again. So that's, that's the first part of the answer. The second part of the answer is I wanna talk about, um, you, I mentioned I'm a tax attorney, I wanna talk a little bit about dynamically how sales tax works and why we have a lot more to lose in Placer County than frankly any other county that's looking at a transportation sales tax. So right now we're in Roseville, Congratulations, we're number one in the state. In terms of per capita sales tax revenue, we are number one. Um, categorically, we're, the last year that uh, full statistics are available, uh, taxable sales in Roseville, $32,871.66 per person. Uh, the statewide average, $15,870.68 per person. So we're, we're about double the statewide average. Placer County, um, is not number one in the state, but it's pretty darn close to number one in the state. It's at $21,792.57 per capita. Compare that to somewhere like uh, Alameda County, $17,615 per capita. Los Angeles County, $14,000, $14,574 per capita. Uh, City of Alameda, and I list that here because it has a 9.5% sales tax rate, $9,818 per capita. Again, we're at $32,871 per capita in 2014, and it has increased substantially since then, I can tell you. So we're number one, and I just want to make sure everybody in the audience understands how sales taxes work. There's no use tax within California. If you buy something in Sacramento County and you bring it to where you're gonna use it, where you live or work in, in Placer County, you don't have to pay uh, the sales tax rate of where you brought it, you pay the sales tax rate of where that sales took place. So there's an obvious incentive under the current system that we're winning under this uh, to have the lowest sales tax rate that the law allows and to be next door to a bunch of places like the Bay Area and Sacramento County that have much higher sales tax rates. When we increase our rates, we not only risk the loss of 
that increased rate in, in sales tax because those sales are going to go somewhere else. We risk the whole shebang. We risk everything else. The Bradley Burns local sales tax, the Prop 172 uh, public safety sales tax, everything else. And it's not just sales tax we lose. As all these other jurisdictions can tell you, when you chase people out of your county, you lose business license revenues. You lose a thousand other taxes. You lose property taxes. Check out some of the empty shopping centers in Yuba County and some of these other places. How much do you think those places are bringing in in property tax revenue? Heck of a lot less than we have here. So what we really should be thinking when we talk about this sales tax increase is what do we want to cut? What services do we want to cut? Because ultimately, this is going to begin the fall for us where we turn things around from being number one in the state we have the lowest, think about that for a minute, we have the lowest sales tax rate that the law allows anywhere in the state, we're the lowest, and yet we have the highest per capita revenues. You know, and let me tell you, the railroad tracks and the freeways, they go to other places besides Placer County. It's the easiest thing in the world to uh, move those sales to somewhere else, even if you're having the goods delivered here in Placer County. Now. We all know that if you're buying something like a shirt and the, the difference in the sales tax revenues is 11 cents, you're probably not going to drive up to Marysville to save 11 cents. But you know what? That's not where most of our sales tax revenue comes from. That's the point. If you're Hewlett Packard and you're buying a switch equipment for $2.6 million, you darn sure shop around and make sure you're getting a deal. Hewlett Packard's here in Roseville. Oh, big coincidence there. Same with Intel, same with a lot of the big things. When you're buying something like a private rail car for hundreds of thousands of dollars, you have that sale take place in Roseville. You could easily push that car up the line and have that sale take place in Susanville or anywhere else that the, that the railroads go. So we are standing to lose a lot more here than the half cent. But even with regard to that half cent, I just want to say that sales tax is already too high, and this is a very regressive tax that's very difficult for people on a fixed income. As a matter of fact, this is the most regressive tax that we have in California. So uh, we should think long and hard about, about increasing it. We're likely to see a situation where not only do we not get the projects that we were promised, but worse than that, we have higher sa sales tax rates, more misery, and we have to cut the government programs and services to the very people who need them most because our revenues have gone down, because we've chased those revenues out, and the property tax revenues, and the business tax revenues, and all the other jobs, we've chased them out of the county like some of our neighboring counties have done, and they have empty warehouses and empty stores, and that's something we don't have here, so that's what we want to avoid by opposing Measure M. Okay, so I saw you two gesturing you wanted to answer. If you could answer or respond to that, specifically on the sales tax issue, if there's any corrections or rebuttal. Yeah, which one of you would want to? Well, you know, as, uh, as Tom mentioned, he used to work for me, and he uh, maybe, maybe learned the, uh, the art of selectively picking a couple of facts and trying to draw a, a large conclusion from that. So. So things he didn't include on there is, like for example, the city of Costa Mesa in Orange County, which has a local option transportation sales tax. Um, and I guarantee you that their per capita sales tax collection is higher than Roseville. So what Tom basically told you is that, that a relatively wealthy county with a regional mall will collect more sales tax than other places. So that's, a, that's an important fact to understand. Um, the fact of the matter is that, um, that sales tax is, is, in terms of affecting economic activity, it is the least um, affected by rates. I'm not, I'm not going to argue that it's not. 
Um, but if you talk about what, first of all, what the mechanism that's set up in state law for, for local jurisdictions to raise transportation money, there is one, and that's a local sales tax. Um, uh, he made the point better than I can that nobody's going to drive um, 30 miles up the road to save 15 cents on, on the sales tax on the purchase of a shirt. Um, nor is, is a rail car factory going to spring up in Susanville um, because Placer County imposed a half a cent sales tax. It's, it's not going to happen, no matter how many times he says it is. And I'm, I'll address the, the issue of, of funding. Yes, there are $3 billion worth of transportation needs in the county, of which the difference between what's currently available um, and, and, and what we need is, is about uh, is a little less than $2 billion. Um, so when you talk about, we're talking about the gap, we're not talking about the total need, and the, and the amount of the sales tax was, A, again, a half cent's pretty typical around the state, but second, when you have a local transportation sales tax or any source of local transportation money, that's the one time that you're able to get state or federal money um, to your projects is when you have local money to match it, and that's proven time and time again. So when we talk about needing $1.6 billion out of $3 billion of need, that's because we already have the most aggressive developer impact fees in the state, the maximum allowed by law, which contributes nearly a billion. Our existing share of gas tax, which we get and which we spend every penny on roads, and that's not enough to spend one penny on, on, on expanding the roads that do need to be expanded. Um, and so the, the 1.6 is the gap. It's not the total need, and we've never said it was. Um, so selectively quoting some facts and picking a couple of random cities and counties around the state to try to draw a point that is not borne out by reality. Um, look at the counties, and I'll make one more point about Orange County because I was involved in the transportation measure down there as well, which also happened to be Measure M, and by another big Republican county that voted by a 70% margin uh, because they needed roads to be fixed there, needed transit to be expanded there. Um, um, the number, one of the number one supporters of Measure M in Orange County was the Seegersham family, which owns South Coast Plaza, which is the highest per capita sales mall on the planet. Um, so this is a sales tax company that said, we need to improve, uh, we need to increase the sales tax. Why? Because we need our customers to be able to get to our door. Um, so we can talk all we want about what the sales tax is, but every time somebody in Sacramento County or in Stockton or in the Bay Area that wants to go to the nicest mall in Northern California says, I was going to drive to Roseville today and spend my money, but you know, I just don't want to sit in traffic for two hours, so I'm not going to do it. That's the biggest impediment to sales in Roseville right now is the inability for people to, in a convenient fashion and in a friendly fashion, drive to the Roseville Galleria. And I guarantee you that the Westfield Corporation is in support of this. Um, the Seegersham family was in support in Orange County. It's because the customer experience of being able to get to where you can sell your goods is far more important than adding uh, you know, a couple of dollars to the cost of, of a good there. Okay, and I do have some more specific questions about spending and so. Oh, okay. I just want to add, I was, I was the last local elected official to come on board on this. Um, I didn't actually make up my mind to support it until the, the final hearing at PCTPA. I was the most skeptical one. And one of the things that finally got me over the top was this particular argument of the sales tax increase driving away local business and hurting local business. And I'd heard it, 
and, and so I went to do some research myself. The first thing I started with is the fact that um, of all the chambers of commerce who represent small business in Placer County, uh, they all either support this and only one is neutral, none oppose. So uh, the, the business representatives made up of the business owners all support this. But this was the, the important thing for me. Knowing that Orange County had increased its tax rate and Sacramento County had increased its tax rate, I just did a little historic comparison of how did their pre and post tax increases uh, compare to the statewide average year over year. And what I found is in looking at Orange County, Orange County's standard, standard uh, average lag bet behind uh, the, the statewide growth in sales tax was about 0.6%. The year that it went into effect, it jumped all the way up to 0.8%, but then the next year it fell down to 0.5%. So certainly no conclusive data one way or another that the sales tax increase affected, and that's total taxable sales by the way. That's not the revenue they got from the tax. That is the number of taxable sales transactions. So their, their, their deviation was entirely consistent with their pre-sales tax increase. And then likewise, when Sacramento, who voted in 2004 to increase theirs, it went into effect in 2009. Um, it in, it, Sacramento lagged the statewide growth and sales tax revenue on an annual basis by 1.9%. Uh, the year it went into effect, they only lagged by 0.2%. So there's simply no statistical data when you actually look at counties that have done this. There's no statistical data you can point to that says that increase caused a reduction in taxable sales transactions in that county. Tom, briefly. Yeah, thank you. I just uh, appreciate it little chance to rebut that. So first of all, we're talking about jurisdictions that have lagged the state. We're almost double the state. <laughs> we're almost double the state average here in Roseville. We don't want to lag the state. And you know what? A 0.8% decline or whatever the decline allegedly was in Sacramento during the period he talked about, a 0.8% decline means real cuts to real programs in this county, real harm to real people. So it may not hurt the developers who are giving the money for this measure and are hiring the people who are here tonight to talk about it. I'm a volunteer on this. But it may not hurt the developers, but boy, it hurts, it hurts your average person who's got to go and pay those higher taxes. And I'll tell you, I, I consider a 0.8% lag of the state uh, to be pretty disastrous. If we dropped below the state average here in California, this would mean the biggest cuts to Placer County government in our history as a county. So this would be a gigantic hit to our county and it guarantees that these things are never going to be built that we're being promised. So I, I would take their statistics, I'd look at them yourself, Take a look. There's 483 cities in California. Roseville's at the top of the list when it comes to sales tax revenues. It's not coincidental. There's 58 counties in California. Placer is near the top of that list. That's not coincidental. There's lots of other regional malls around here. Talk to the folks in Citrus Heights. Visit Sacramento if you haven't been there. Lots of other regional malls. As a matter of fact, go up to Marysville and visit their empty regional mall. Uh, but th there's lots of other regional malls around here, and yet Nobody else is twice the state average in per capita transactions. So we're doing things right here. This is the beginning of turning things away and turning things the other direction, and it's going to really hurt our county and hurt local business. All right, so I want to move on to, uh, I guess, the environmental aspect, because when I was talking to Michael, one thing he sent me 
which was a big part of why the Sierra Club is against uh, Measure M, is um, a study that UC Davis, I guess, did a brief on based on their uh, Sustainable Transportation Department on the title was, uh, if I can find it, here we go, uh, Increasing Highway Capacity as Unlikely to Relieve Traffic Congestion. So I wanted to see, when we were talking, Michael, you said that was a big deal, like widening roads, adding them, is really not gonna increase the, the level of uh, traffic jams and obviously carbon fuels part of it. So can you expand on why the Sierra Club is against Measure M? Well, yes, glad to, though. First, I have some kind of rebuttal to things that have been said about the project description. Um, be, 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 can you be brief about that? Oh, oh yes, because... And then lead I, into, yeah. Do you mind? I uh, don't mind. Thanks. There's a lot to uh, cover. <laughs> yes, but a lot wasn't covered in what was said already. Um, the, uh, you all have before you the press release of the Sierra Club, and if you look at the second page, the second paragraph on the second page, uh, you will see something that's very hard to find. I've, I've sat through many of these descriptions of the project. They're very informative, very interesting, very useful. But what they don't tell you is the, there's one sentence in that paragraph. It lists the proposed capacity projects that are going to be built. It lists the cost of building those projects that's based on the material that is provided by the Transportation Planning Agency. And next to that, also from the Transportation Planning Agency, is the amount of the sales tax that will go to help contribute build that. But I think that kind of information is very important for people to have some kind of handle on to know what's going on here. And that relates to, to everything I'm, I'm about to say. Um, uh, first of all, uh, we, the biggest problem with this is asking the local voters, to t talking about sales tax, a little bit of kind of rebuttal on this, asking the local sales taxpayers and those passing through to use the sales tax to make up for the federal and state uh, gas tax and other monies that have been coming in. This is, we don't want to go down that route. We don't want to open the gate to doing that, and it's not necessary. Uh, a very bad idea to, to uh, do that for these projects, as you'll see from the, the, some of the projects that are, are listed there. Um, the, the funding mechanism that it wasn't clear that they were talking about for many of these projects is there's a, there's a 200 million, on the uh, two pages later, you'll see a list of all the projects, and there's a $200 million early financing of projects. Uh, what's that, about an eighth of the whole amount over, over 30 years. Well, that is for us, for the taxpayers, to fund and finance these projects up front. And then after they're built, the developers will come along later. This is what happened with the, the uh, Sierra College Boulevard and I-80, and also happened with the uh, Sunset Boulevard 65 intersection. We paid for them first, and, and then funds come in later. So we, we think that's another uh, real a fundamental a pro a problem with this. Now, of course, they, um, they don't tell you that the experience around the state and the country is that when you add new capacity, it gets filled up. You may momentarily, or for, for the, the studies show that you have the, on the second page there, the handout that you referred the title to, you see the meta studies that, that looked at all the other studies that found that in three or, three or so years, 10 to 30% of the traffic comes back, and then in, in 10 years, uh, may up to 100% will come back. Well, I'm one of the people who live, like, you, like uh, Jeff does, in Rockland, 
And I'm one of the people who, the 20% of the people now use local roads instead of 65 because it's jammed up. And uh, there are, so there are 20% of us ready to go back there the moment there's, there's opening on that road. And that's called induced traffic. When you create new lanes, new traffic, uh, it comes in. So it is, it, the, as much as you want to read about that is in there. Uh, it's, um, it's really, it, it really makes half of this whole, th half of the whole 1.6 billion a waste of taxpayers' money because it isn't going to do what it says. Now, I really, I, we, Sierra Club agrees with Tom's concern about uh, all of the things they're asking for, that, they, that there's a, a potential, and I think he feels certain that they won't happen. Uh, the story I told to the Transportation Planning Commission about my work for Roseanne Vujic, there were a whole bunch of things she did and the community did to get that freeway built, but the number one thing she did was to say, I want Freeway 41. Now the freeway boosters wanted that triangulation that's there and other stuff that's there and that's what they're pushing for. And the thing in the end, when you're trying to get a project built, it, it's a lot of work, it takes months, it takes politics, it takes everything you can imagine. But in the end, when it was over, what made the difference was her saying, this is the most important thing and that's what I want. And that's the problem with this list. There are all kinds of things they want all over the place and they want everything and uh, it's, it's just not gonna happen. Now, this, is, this, is, this project, this Measure M is really an opportunity for us. It's an opportunity because they've been trying to develop something like, like Measure M for years and years and they've come up with something that is outdated and outmoded and is not the way for a, a city or county to have living communities that are for people. So the, I will talk when we get into the environmental issues about the environmental, environmental side of that. Uh, and so let's talk about the 80, 75, 65 intersection. The cost, as you can see there, is $380 million. That's how much it costs to build it. The, the, the booklet they hand out, the big booklet, says that three, $300 million of that is going to be paid out of the sales tax. Well, that leaves $80 million, and they say that's for developers, state, and federal money. So the sales tax, the, the public is going to be paying in our tax, $300 million of that. That's 79% that's of it coming out of our pockets and only 21% 20, coming from those other three sources. And that's the lack of clarity. That's the thing they don't tell you. They don't give you project by project specifics. And when the interesting thing that's gonna happen is that if this passes, what is the transportation agency gonna do? Which is gonna be most important? They've log rolled this to death. You know, everything the locals want gets rolled in, so they would support the half of this that goes for adding capacity that's not really gonna, not gonna in the long run, really expand capacity. It's just gonna fill up with more cars. Okay, so obviously we have a lot to cover. We've only scratched the surface, but uh, I'm gonna give time for a rebuttal from Jeff or Kirk, and then, and then ask a few more specific questions. All right, I'm going second. As um, somebody who has been involved in the planning process with the various interest groups, I will tell you that the Sierra Club was at the table uh, when we put together this plan. The Sierra Club was supportive of this plan, and it wasn't until um, Mr. Garabedia moved to Placer County recently 
and became the president of the Sierra Club that all of a sudden the Sierra Club became opposed to this. Why does the Sierra Club, did the Sierra Club, prior to Mr. Garabedian coming on board, why did the Sierra Club support this? Well, because the Sierra Club has been working with Placer County for the last 15 years, 10 years that I've been involved with, in the development of the Placer County Conservation Plan. This is the plan that will deliver the area in purple in conservation in perpetuity. Those sites in green are already in conservation. The area in yellow is the area identified for development. The Sierra Club has been involved with us along with the Audubon Society and other environmental groups for the entire 10 years that I've been involved. I can show you letter after letter signed by the Motherlode chapter president of the Sierra Club, Terry Davis. The Motherlode chapter, by the way, is the 11 northern counties in California, including Placer County. Uh, signed by Terry Davis, encouraging the regulatory agencies to work with us to get this map done. The transportation plan in front of you, the transportation plan that we're discussing, is driven by this map. It's the fulfillment of this long-term planning map for Placer County. This is our build-up map. This is a 50-year permit we're talking with the regulatory agencies about. And it's this map and its build-out map that drive the transportation needs that resulted in us having this conversation starting five years ago about, okay, we're making good progress on the map. Assuming this map gets adopted, how are people going to get around? That's what started the conversation about the transportation. That's what led to Measure M. So the Sierra Club has been involved the entire time and has been supportive of our efforts the entire time, right up until about a half year ago when Mr. Garabedian got involved. And all of a sudden now, the local Sierra Club here in Placer County is diametrically at odds with the Motherlode chapter of the Sierra Club for the Northern California's 11 counties. And I'll just add that, well, the, the, that I mean, it, you know, we have opposition, I guess, from allegedly the far right and, and the left here on this measure. Um, but understand that Mr. Hudson says that uh, that's Tom. He, he's claiming to be the far right. I'm actually the far right, but I'm, he's I'm claiming, not claiming to be. That's all right. We're good. He's, he's on my right. Yeah, I am. I am on your right. Hey, I will on my, definitely. What? I'm on your. Anyway, is if Mr. Hudson is right that none of these projects are actually ever going to be built because we're, you know, not going to. I and didn't say none. Be, then you should be happy because if they don't get built, then they're not going to induce growth and fill back up. So you guys got to pick which way you're going to oppose it. They're either never going to get built or they're going to get built and get filled back up. But they can't be both. Um, so we'll, we'll figure that one out maybe a little bit later. Um, go ahead. All right, all well. right. And I'm just going to say, give a brief rebuttal. And then uh, we're obviously running into uh, Q&A time by the audience. So again, Mike uh, is right there. So if you want to start lining up your questions after Michael is done, we can start. OK. Well, uh, you're mixing apples and oranges, uh, Kirk. And I'm glad to know you go up on Granite Peak, because that's overlooking the North Fork American River, if you look the other way. Um, the, uh, the, the Placer County Conservation Plan is, it has to do with uh, endangered species and wetlands. Those are different environmental issues than this. This, this, has, to do, this has to do with transportation, and how we pay for it, and it has to do with greenhouse gases. And this has to, this has to do with how we make development. 
this, the Sierra Club's priorities are for transit, are for bikes, are, are for walking, convenient, convenient to use. We need that in the development that's coming. That has to do with how the development is made. The other issues, those environmental issues, have to do with where it goes and how, how development, where it goes in terms of protecting species and stuff like that. It's a different question than, than what Measure M is about. It's really trying to take us, would take us astray to go that, down that path. Now, the Sierra Club is involved in both of those issues, Placer County Transportation Plan. We were uh, the same fellow. It's Terry Davis was on the stakeholder group for that, and very still involved actively on the Placer County Transportation Plan. We're looking forward to that coming out. Um, the, uh, the, the thing that you should understand is that we sent, a, uh, Terry, the Motherload chapter sent a letter July of last year saying that we need bold, we need bold, bold alternative transportation methods. It didn't come out bold. We were involved in that the whole time and towards the end of the time the, the stakeholder group kind of seemed to be left out of the pictures. These are the reports we got, and this must have been the period when they were log rolling in to get the local governments on board. So I, I wasn't there. I, I can't say that for sure. But the Sierra Club, there's only one Sierra Club. We are not, you know, it, it, it shouldn't be, it's, they shouldn't be trying to personalize it about me or anyone else or trying to say it's a, a Sierra Club problem. We're here to talk about environmental issues. And I, and I did try to cover very briefly our priorities and what we think. We, we want to encourage and developers who will make model communities where people can work and get to play and work and home and get back and forth in a convenient manner. That's, that's what we're about. The more capacity you make, the more greenhouse gases ex expand, and that is the Sierra Club's number one priority, to do something about global warming, and we, we can do our part. Transportation is uh, the biggest generator of global warming, and I'll close with this, is electricity generation in the United States, that is. Transportation is right behind it, and as we switch to renewable energy, transportation will come up there. So and then industry is behind that in terms of its generation of, of greenhouse gases. We have to do our part. That's what we're here. We're saying local government is where the place is to do something about greenhouse gases, and that's why if this passes, if it doesn't pass, there is the, the future is going to be in a different direction than what's in, in Measure M now, sooner or later. It'll be, we will have to do something to, to no, stop polluting. I, no, I just, I want Tom to comment on uh, global warming and greenhouse gas uh, reductions. Okay, well, let's say that for another thing, because we, I want to stick to specifics, want to stick to specifics here. I, I really want to hear Tom's position on greenhouse gas well, emissions. Well, uh, let me, I have a specific question actually for this. Let's do it, this. come on, Tom. All right, I do have a question about this, though, because I do, there's a lot of, um, discussion about you know public transit rail high-speed rail um, obviously roads are a big deal here I'm wondering if you are what's your response to people are saying why isn't there more of an emphasis on public transit or you know why not be more bold is it because you're faced with the reality that more people are driving and that's just the way it is is there a way to change their mind about taking more public transit is that just not gonna happen how did you think about that when you came up with the percentage breakdown for this plan. Where does public transit fit into this in the future for Placer County? Public transit outside of expanding and enhancing our current bus system, uh, both here and in the Tahoe Basin, which we are doing, we're increasing um, uh, route frequencies in both areas. There are not any 
public transit uh, options, light rail, anything like that, that are anywhere near economically viable. Uh, we are a suburban community. We're a suburban county that go from the, the, the suburbs of Roseville up to you know, 20 acre parcels out in the west and 80 acre parcels as you head up east. Um, and they simply don't work. It's look at the trouble that they're having downtown with the densities they're having downtown and the RT system. So I mentioned when we started all this, we started with an extensive group of stakeholders, including the environmental community, and the environmental community understood at the time that it's simply not an economically viable alternative for those of us in Placer County to go the route of light rail or anything along those lines. And I'll just add, all joking aside, which I was mostly joking with Tom, because I've known Tom for a long time, for the record, but um, I, I consider myself to be a transit advocate. I take transit every place where I am, where it makes sense. But Kirk's right, it, in, a, in, a, in a relatively um, uh, not densely populated area, the worst thing, Mike, that could happen is if you got your way and we actually tried to force transit on a community before there's density, or the ability to support it, because you would turn you would t you would turn everybody off from transit for 50 or 100 years by seeing empty trains and empty buses running around the county because you wanted to try to force your vision on the county. I appreciate what you're what you're doing, but the reality is it would be the worst thing that could happen for any potential transit future in Placer County is to try to tell everybody we're going to leave you stuck on your freeways, we're going to leave people driving over, over city roads to try to avoid those congested freeways, we're going to leave the 8065 interchange the way it is right now because I've decided that now is the time to be bold and force everybody onto a train. You think it'll take $380 million to make that safe? Okay. Yes, Tom, absolutely. You can briefly answer and then we're going to go to our first audience question. Okay, we're talking about a tax here, so I want to attack, uh, talk just a little bit about tax policy, not just transit policy. I, I would argue, and I think most people in Placer County ultimately would agree with me, that asking the poorest folks in Placer County and the people who are struggling to get by to pay higher sales taxes so somebody who earns infinitely more than they do can have a subsidized bus ride or a subsidized train ride is immoral. It's bad tax policy, it's wrong. That's another reason to vote no on Major M as it exists now. Asking, asking with a regressive tax like the sales tax, asking people to pay even more to subsidize somebody else's transportation so that somebody else can live further away from where they work is bad tax policy. So I would urge you to vote no on Major M precisely because of the transit subsidies that are in the current measure. And I would oppose even more transit subsidies and incidentally most voters in Placer County would as well. All right, audience question. Okay, I think, uh, is my, am I close enough to the mic? Okay, yes. so I believe you. this was open to opinion as well as questions. This is an opinion I have that I would like to be heard. I have had it up to here with taxes, federal taxes, state taxes, local taxes, property taxes, assessments on property taxes, assessments on fines or tickets, it ne gas taxes, it never ends. I want in my government a true fiscal conservative to represent me who says no, 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 no more taxes. That's my opinion. Thank you. I have a question then. Okay, thank you for the icebreaker because usually that's how it works. There's always someone who breaks the ice and then other people come up. Sure. Did you want to respond to that? or if, it, if, if taxes aren't 
if yeah, you can't no, do I, with taxes. I, with the I agree. And the simple fact of the matter is that if we were getting back our fair share uh, in taxes in Placer County, we wouldn't need this. Um, as I mentioned, I was the last one to come on board with this because I, I had setting aside my, my lifelong philosophical opposition to any new tax, I had to answer two questions. Number one, why do we have government in the first place? We have government to provide those services that productive people need to be productive. First and foremost amongst those are law enforcement and infrastructure. That's why we have government in the first place. And right now, with our current funding structure, we can't meet that threshold. That's number one. Number two, the question I had to answer for myself is, if not this, then what? And you will not hear an answer to that from the opponents. Yeah, I'm, I'm here you, to answer you, that. You will not hear an answer other than, let's build light rail, or whatever it is Mr. Hudson wants to come up with. I'm there ready to come up with it. no alternative at this point. So that's my answer to your question. I do have a question, then we'll go to the audience again, about developer impact fees, because I saw that throughout them. How would that work? How much would that uh, bring in? What's the impact of developer fees? Thank you. So I'm going to answer this uh, again as, as somebody who, on the one hand, is, is uh, opposed to the taxes, but on the other hand, understands that new development has to pay its way. Um, anybody here live in a house that was built prior to 1996? A house Two hands, three prior hands prior went up. Three hands. Congratulations, you probably paid zero in traffic impact fees in Placer County. You see, it wasn't until 1996 that our Board of Supervisors initiated a comprehensive look at cum cumulative development impacts. Prior, we made developers pay for their improvements, the off-site improvements necessary to serve their subdivision, and that was pretty much it. We did not look at cumulative development impacts. And in 1996, we established for the first time in Placer County a fee schedule that took into consideration the cumulative impacts. In Granite Bay, a house that was built in 1995 would have paid a maximum fee for that house of $760. In 96, that went up to $2,200 after we adopted the fee ordinance looking at these impacts. Today, you go to build a new house in Granite Bay, you're paying over $8,000 just for your traffic impact fee. In West Roseville, add in what we call the tier two fee, which was created for the building of the parkway, and you're between thirteen dollars and $15,000 a front door in developer fees that are being paid. That's in addition to the developer having pay for all the roads in the subdivision and all the roads adjacent to the subdivision. Uh, Tom? So I think the, the key thing to remember here, however, for those of you who have been in Placer County for more than a few weeks, you already know that Placer, in many, in many of the past 20 years, Placer has been the fastest growing in the state. And many of our communities, like Lincoln, for most of a decade, most of the last decade, Lincoln was the fastest growing city in the state. So, and many of our other cities have been among the fastest growing. And one thing you're all familiar with seeing over and over and over again is the same pattern, which is new houses are built, developer fees are charged, Melarus bonds are charged, a million other fees are charged for the, for the new folks. 
and they pay much higher property taxes because of the way Prop 13 works with their higher base year values. And so they're paying all this money. Boatloads of money are going into the county from all of this new housing, and yet somehow roads aren't getting built. Somehow they're never getting built. That's their very last priority at the county level. That, I mean, everything else, homeless shelters come first. Literally everything comes before roads. We're paying only slightly more now for roads than we were 20 years ago in Placer County, and the budget's just about quadrupled. Somebody corrected me and said, when you do this adjustment and that adjustment and this other adjustment, it's only gone up by 285%. Well, whether it's 285% or, or 400%, the point is our budget now is $816 million at the county level. 30% of this bond goes to local cities that have their own budgets of several hundred million more dollars. So we're talking about a billion dollars a year plus right now, and this is going to be in place for 30 years, they're already getting a billion dollars a year and they're saying, and we can't come up with 50 million out of our billion to pay for anything, even though we know that that 50 million, if you build something like Placer Parkway and you get new communities, they're going to pay higher sales taxes and they're going to pay higher property taxes and they're going to have to pay all these impact fees and all of these other business license fees and hotel fees and every other kind of fee that, that gets collected. They're saying they can't even come up with the 50 million a year out of the billions of dollars they're going to get. Baloney. Don't believe that for a second. They're sitting on a budget of $816 million. Quickly. They've got all the developer fees coming in now that, that should be funding these things, and they're not spending the money on the roads that we're paying for. We are not getting what we're paying for. So Raising taxes won't okay. fix that problem. All right, so, I'm going to just quickly, Michael, and then audience question, okay. please. Uh, I'll, I'll run through a list of things. Uh, if not this, what? Well, first of all, a quarter cent. A quarter cent would get everything we need, if not more, it, it, more than we need. I don't think Tom agrees with even a quarter cent, and some of you may not either. But the point is, that could fund uh, a lo a, a what a local localities could do that, like someone in Auburn suggested a few days ago, or the county could do it, but we don't have to do this thing that has the, the huge, huge thing in it. Now, uh, the Reagan era, we can, we can look back to that. The Reagan's mantra, what they did was user pays. It, didn't, it was Army Corps project, whatever it is, the point was user pays. So why is that relevant here today? Senate Bill 1077 that passed two years ago. Right now there is a pilot study going on. It's not called user pays, it's called something slightly different, uh, road uses charge. You know, so a way, another way to fund this, a, an experiment with another, another way to deal with it. Um, and of course, you well, know. let's let's save that for. I have a question specifically about that later. Um, but let's get to the audience. Next question, ma'am. Well, this is just real quick, uh, just out of curiosity. Um, I wanted to ask Mr. Euler, uh, where do you, um, what is your opinion of global warming? I'm glad to answer the global warming question. Uh, and by way of introduction, this is our budget for this year for Placer County, and the page that I'm holding open here is. Page two of our projects list, our road projects list for Placer County, $52 million for this year that we're spending in roads in Placer County from our general fund. Mr. Hudson said our budget is $816 million. He's correct. Our general fund is approximately half of that. That's what we control. Of that general fund, 400 some odd million dollars, 52 million going into these road projects right here from our general fund this year alone. Now, to your question about global warming, um, is the climate changing? Yes. The climate changes, that's what it does. We have ice ages, we have periods of heating. 
we have floods, we have droughts. So do I believe the climate is changing? Yes. Do I believe that it is man-made? I think that's really what you're getting at. No, I don't. I don't believe that me driving my excursion is somehow causing our planet to heat up because we've got this giant thing up there called the sun and solar flares affect the temperature of our Earth's surface more than any single thing that we could ever do here on Earth. You know, when Mount Pinatubo erupted, it put more greenhouse gases into the atmosphere than the entire Industrial Revolution up to that point in time. One volcano erupts and puts as much greenhouse gas into the environment as, Mount, as, as, as the entire Industrial Revolution. I don't see how you Agreed. can say it's somehow man-made. Okay, next question. I have to say that this is maybe one of the first times I absolutely positively agree with you, Mr. Euler, about the global warming issue. That's not my question. That was my comment. I'm really curious because every one of us in Placer County have been inundated with glossy flyers, and we've seen signposts out on the street about keep plaster moving, you know, vote yes on uh, the tax. I'm curious, I, I looked up some of the people that are um, supporting this measure and I'm not finding money coming from citizens. They're coming from developers, they're coming from construction companies and this and that. So can you tell me about your input in your campaign that you've had from normal, I'm gonna say normal, common citizens, tax-paying citizens, what they've said about it. Well, I can uh, answer that. I've, I've looked at the expended, these donations, yeah. and uh, there are hardly any individuals at all. And much of it is clearly from, it, the, the B added it up to be $600,000 as of, I think, uh, the 24th that it, of September that had come in, and it's pouring in from not individual citizens on either side or on that side. Well, I do have a question about that. I guess um, uh, citizen buy-in. Where, where did if it wasn't funding, where did you bring in the citizen voice in terms of developing the plan or getting feedback or funding or however? How, how does the Joe Driver figure into their voice in the Measure M? Well, the, uh, the transportation agency conducted nearly three years of public outreach talking to people about the plan, as, as the supervisor mentioned, included the Sierra Club, included um, every local business group, the, uh, Celia McAdam, the director, spoke, I think, at every service club in the county, some of them twice, um, uh, met with every elected official, um, every public works director, um, you know, m pretty much every major economic stakeholder in the county in the development of the plan. All, right, all all of the all of the MACs, the municipal advisory councils in the in the county, the non-incorporated portions of the county, um, and um, and the plan was developed from that. And the plan was developed, uh, as the supervisor mentioned, a lot on the on the projected future growth of, of the county. So um, it was probably the most extensive public outreach effort that I think Placer County has ever seen in the development of the plan. And I'll, and and there's a lot of there's a lot of, of small businesses and medium-sized businesses and large businesses that support this. I would note that I, I don't think the opposition committee has any 
um, support for many citizens as well in terms of monetary contributions. So um, the, the, the business community and the residents haven't spoken up uh, in opposition to it either that I've seen. So um, we're, we're happy to have the support of, of everything from small businesses and citizens to, to big businesses and landowners in the county because they're stakeholders in the county and they have a stake in the future of it. Tom or Mike, you guys decide who will speak in response to that. Okay. <laughs> you well, spoke a minute ago. Uh, okay, I'd like to say Michael. one sentence, though. Okay. One, okay. one um, sentence. The, uh, the uh, transportation authorities that work well are not like ours where local, elected local officials sit there and make decisions. The ones that work well and supremely well, the local officials appoint people, experts, people in transit from disabled people, you name it. You have uh, uh, transportation experienced people. So you have professionals on there who know what they're doing on transportation as opposed to what we have here, local officials who log roll, log roll, log roll, and same old thing, same old, same old third for 50 years. Can you give so me an example in the interest of, of time, one? In the interest yeah. of time, where, I want to just make that? one quick point. That, uh, and I'll make this very fast. Metropolitan Transportation Agency let me, in New York. Let me just summarize this point. The reason, the reason the developers are the only people in the county that are coming forward to support this is because over 30 years it caps their contribution at $600 million. It doesn't cap your taxes. They'll be back asking for another tax increase when these projects aren't done. So it doesn't cap your taxes for the next 30 years, but it caps what they're going to have to pay. And it always makes sense to, to developers. They always think it's a good idea. And frankly, I don't even blame them, but they always think it's a good idea to have you pay for the impacts of their developments. Now, the County Board of Supervisors and local governments have approved something like 100 plans that could include like 170,000 more people to the county. And that's going to be very expensive for our road network. I can't give you any good reason why any of you in this audience should pay higher taxes to subsidize that growth. And I'm not anti-growth, and I want to be very clear about that. If somebody can make millions of dollars by new developments, more power to them. But I don't see why they need you to get you to raise your taxes in order to subsidize their wealthy developments. It just isn't common sense. It doesn't make, uh, it's not fair, and it's especially unfair with a regressive tax like the sales tax. So I think we should vote no for that reason alone and tell the developers to go back to the drawing board when it comes to funding the roads that will benefit them and their for-profit developments. Well, okay, Jeff, a, hold on, no, okay. we have to understand, and it's one of the reasons, I, I and, and again, think, I, I, I don't think my question was answered, was uh, quite question? frankly, because um, I wanted to know what citizen groups, you mentioned Chamber of Commerce, am I, can you hear me up there? You mentioned Chamber of Commerce, you mentioned the various uh, business groups that Celia McAdams uh, went around to, she came to our central committee meeting and rolled it out. What it, is your central committee meeting? The Placer County uh, Republican Central Committee. And she, I'm sure she went to all the you know different groups. The MACs are, uh, the municipal utility uh, boards, or uh, advisory boards, excuse me, are appointed by the Board of Supervisors. I don't know that necessarily they might be impartial, but I'm asking what citizen groups you went to. Um, I'm hearing you went to Max, you went to political organizations, well, you went to chambers. I, 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 said, I, said, I said, for the record, I answered your question. I yeah. said every service club, many of them twice. So every Rotary Club, every Lions Club, every Kiwanis Club, the okay. Auburn Meddlers, three okay. times. All I did right. say that. Okay, thank you. And as far as the citizens that are supporting this with their money, John Talman, Jeff Jones, and John Murray, $100,000. And who are they? 
They are Granite Bay residents who own a development company, but they are citizens in this county who put their personal money into this. Um, uh, the auto dealers, most of the auto dealer owners are Granite Bay or Loomis residents. They put their money into it. So yes, you might see a check in the name of their business, but they live here, they work here, their kids go to school here. They develop here. They are here. citizens. Well, well, and, 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 okay, and, briefly, because we have 10 and, minutes and, and, and left, with, and I want to move no, on to a few I'll, more I'll, things. I'll go longer than that, that's fine. I don't my, want you to. My, well, thank you. Um, my, it's one of the reasons why, again, and, and understand that, that, that Tom and I are friends and we've worked together for, for a couple of decades, so, so it's a little bit smiling when I say this, but understand that what Tom is advocating for is an illegal tax on new homes to pay for roads because the law okay. says the law says that the developer impact fees cannot exceed the value of the incremental impact of that one home or it goes from a fee to a tax and it requires voter approval to By do two thirds it. vote the same two thirds vote as measure M. Okay, but, right. but incidentally no, understand. on that point, so, because I'm so, accused of so, doing so, so I'm going to shut it down. No. We're going to move on understand. because there's right. other th question that I want to cover. One of them is accountability, and then we'll move on to the next uh, audience question. How will accountability be measured? Because I saw there was the citizen oversight committee that's going to be selected. What process will be put in place for the citizens to be uh, uh, selected? How will their decisions be put in place? So uh, describe the accountability for me. Um, and then, Tom, you can answer, and then we will go to audience questions. Each um, jurisdiction uh, gets to appoint, uh, each city, I should say, city or town, gets to appoint one member. It cannot be an employee of the jurisdiction, and it cannot be an elected official. Uh, so each jurisdiction, town of Loomis, uh, city of, of Lincoln, will come up with however they want to accept applications, like we do for all of our committees and commissions, the planning commission, all the rest. Um, and the, the county board of supervisors, the five of us, have to decide on two. We get two for the county, and each city gets one. Can't be an employee, can't be an elected official. So that's the criteria. On, on that point, I want to say, as the head of a statewide taxpayer group, I've made a lot of nominations to citizens' oversight committees for bonds and for other things around the state, including here in Placer County, where we've gotten some really good folks uh, appointed to serve on those committees. And I want to just say, and I don't mean this in any way as an attack on the fine folks that are serving. They're doing it because they love their community and they love their schools. And, and these are good people, and I'm, I'm not saying this to criticize them. But I want to make sure you guys understand why whenever something goes wrong, whenever something like in Fresno where the superintendent's now in prison for stealing all kinds of money and all the kinds of problems that have happened all over the state, the reason you never had one of these oversight committees be the one to uncover the problem it's the same flaw is baked into this Measure M because the people who are on these oversight committees, they don't have subpoena powers, they don't have investigative powers, they don't have real staff to go out and do the work. Essentially what they're told, and again, these are good people, I'm not attacking them, but they're essentially given a stack of papers and said, here's where the money went. And they don't have any ability to go beyond the stack and they rubber stamp whatever they're given and they do this all over the state and that's why you know go back and check the internet and see how many times when there's been a scandal it was the local oversight committee that uncovered the scandal that never happens what? and as far as Jeff's point about me advocating something illegal let me just point out the the state has a cap about developer fees that are mandated the cap doesn't apply to taxes that take a two-thirds vote like Major M does furthermore developers can do a lot of things 
optionally, at their own, voluntarily, a local example here in Roseville. You're all familiar with the Fitiment Farms development in West Roseville. The local school there, an elementary school, was built voluntarily by the developers. Why the heck would they build a school in the middle of their development with their own money? Why do you think they would do that? Are they crazy and they just don't care about spending money? No, the reason they would do that is because every single one of the houses in that development was worth a lot more money because it was a block or two blocks or down the street from a local elementary school, and they made millions by putting in that school. They saw this as a profitable thing for them to do. You know what? The law didn't require them to build that school with their own money, but they did it anyway, and guess what? They would do the same thing with roads, just as Thunder Valley has voluntarily paid for roads, just as jurisdictions all over the state have had voluntary road payments done by developers. So so we don't need to break any laws to do what I'm advocating. We need to let them do what's in their own interest as they did with West Roseville. So Tom, uh, how, would, how would accountability, accountability, how do you see then the accountability being accounted for if Measure M passes? Can what I would address, you, can I just say well, my okay sentence? Mike, how would you say that? The accountability is right now. The only, it's not later. The only way this can happen is if the voters vote to tax themselves. That's the only way. They have to read this. Like, like Deborah has done, they have to read this and understand it and know what it is and vote against it. Because if they don't, it's going to be a lot of problem. very difficult to clean it up, to, to, to know what's going on, to know what these committees are doing. The vote is right now, and this is the time to go up or down on it, not later, not, okay. to, not to have these committees. All right, next question. Uh, my name is Larissa Berry. Can you hear me? Yes. Um, yes, I'm very glad that Granite Bay was brought up. I'd just like to point out that we are not listed in the plan on page 10 as part of the unincorporated areas. And on page 16 and 17, our streets are not in the maps. So you may want to add us since we're paying such high tax. Uh, my question, I guess, is there's a pervasive pattern of higher density development going on throughout Placer County. And is this Measure M taking into account this unanticipated and approved growth, and why are these projects being approved ahead of the infrastructure? Who wants to take that? Kirk. <laughs> yes. Um, Measure M looks at a future build date that is anticipated by our countywide build-out um, as anticipated by the conservation plan. Uh, will areas, as they build out, expand certain portions of the infrastructure, contract certain portions based on final map? Absolutely, that's how large-scale planning works. Um, meanwhile, we, at the local level, continue to make the mod modifications necessary to our capital improvements programs, which is what drives the developer fees. We just had to increase in Granite Bay our developer fees by about $200 a front door because we updated our capital improvements program to anticipate future development that was being proposed. And so that the developer fees are going up to accommodate the additional demand that is created when you have more homes. However, the increase in densities are not being accounted for in that plan. So that's, that's just not wrong. Uh, that's just not right. That's, <laughs> it that's, is that's wrong. wrong. <laughs> you're, you're just incorrect. I, I have the traffic study in my office, and the traffic study that was just done for Granite Bay was, was wrong and redone. Was, was okay, well, done 
with the anticipated growth of projects that are not approved, yet we went ahead and increased the fees for new development even though the projects aren't approved. Well, please add our streets to the plan then. Okay, we have time for probably uh, three more questions. Uh, I have one, so the other two can come from the audience who lands up at the mic. So next one, sir. Uh, Dan Sokol. Uh, for about 40 years, I uh, made my living as a geologist and peripherally were in involved in some of the uh, so-called climate change things. I think uh, our supervisor uh, uh, did a beautiful job of uh, abstracting that. Uh, there is uh, no evidence uh, that man has anything to do with it that I have seen uh, in any of the things. And I don't know what that has to do with Measure M, by the way. Yes. Uh, for the last 25 years, I've been what is called a public advocate. A good part of that, I was with the uh, original League of Placer County Taxpayers, um, and I served as president for several years uh, in, the, in the League of Placer County Taxpayers, which went out of uh, business in uh, 2011. Uh, now this group, uh, which, and I, as part of this group, I looked at the uh, transportation issues, which are probably about 12 years, and we, uh, uh, had an oversight committee, so-called, that discussed uh, the uh, raising of uh, money to, for necessary projects. Uh, and it looks pretty much like Measure M. Uh, at least twice in that period, uh, it was reduced because once it was in competition with another tax issue. Uh, so, so can we get to the question? The question is, the League of Plastic County taxpayers always looked at a nexus between raising money and a given measure. Now this present League of Placer Taxpayers doesn't seem to do that. They're just going gung-ho for Measure M. I'd like to know if there is a nexus and how the League of Placer County Taxpayers can justify this Measure M. Is there a connection between the League of Placer County Taxpayers and the board or the Yes on Measure M? No connection? Other than, other than um, Eric Sanchez, who's the president of the League, uh, did sign um, uh, the ballot argument in favor. Uh, Eric Sanchez served along with the Sierra Club on the, the committee that met for a few years looking at the needs. Uh, so he participated in that process with all the other stakeholders. Um, I'm not a member of the board of the League of Placer County Taxpayers, so I can't speak on their behalf, but I do know Eric, and I do know that he's been active in this uh, Measure M discussion before it was Measure M. Well, it's the, I was a member of the old League of Placer County Taxpayers, and I'm now the president of its successor organization, the Placer County Taxpayers Association. And I can tell you the new League is a political action committee that has never so far found a tax they could oppose anywhere in the county. 
So congratulations, you have a taxpayer organization on paper that has never found a tax that was worthy of their opposition, not even an unconstitutional tax like Measure H in Auburn. They couldn't even find it in their, in their heart to oppose an unconstitutional measure. So this is a joke, let's be honest. If you want to join a real taxpayer organization, the Placer County Taxpayer Association has a website. All of you are eligible to join. It's nonpartisan. You don't have to be a right winger like me to join. But we actually advocate on behalf of taxpayers, and we don't support every single tax increase in the county like the League of Placer County Taxpayers does. All right, Michael, briefly. Point. Well, uh, this is a signature issue in many ways, at least for my involvement in the Sierra Club, that the Sierra Club and the Tea Party and the Republican Party and other groups we agree about what should be done, which is actually that Measure M should not be passed. Now we have strong disagreement, a total disagreement over green, greenhouse gases and global warming, fine. And there actually may be, there are actually issues where I suspect that if we sat down, we would agree about the problem, but disagree about the solution. In this case, we agree about, we agree about what to do, and I think this is an important step, and I look forward to, we'll be working together in the future on this issue. Next question. Hi, my name, <coughs> my name is Victor Beckett. Um, I have a question about the, uh, the permission or the authority of the, uh, the guidelines for the Measure M to issue a bond. So assuming uh, it's, uh, it will generate $1.6 billion over 30 years, they will have the permission to issue a bond tomorrow if it's approved. And if they issue a bond with an interest rate of 3 or 4%, the, the, the discounted net present value of this bond will be $900 billion. You will lose $700 million in a week. And the oversight committee looking at it will be obsolete because all this money will be spent in one or two years by the, by the politicians. And the, 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 the oversight committee will be just responsible for paying the interest and, and saving the principal in a different fund over 30 years. That's my comment. The second question I have, we've been always, always told that Placer County runs a surplus and Placer County has a carryover fund of um, $53 million from a year to year, un unutilized um, funds. So why doesn't Placer County give us the example and lead the way of using some of these funds to fix the roads? The solution could be very easy. Placer County uses some of its funds, get some matching from the state, get big businesses like Placer Vineyards who are proposing to build over 7,000 homes in the West Sunset area, or 14,000 homes, Sunder Valley Casino, all these big corporations, developers, and um, businesses have contri contributed over three quarter million dollars to promote this measure. For a good reason, they put $100,000, they saved $20 million because it's out of our pockets. Um, a quick note to Kirk, he's been rubber stamping all these rezoning projects and all the traffic mitigation fees will be earmarked for different areas. It will not be used for the areas that have been impacted. And last comment, um, Placer County League of Taxpayers is actually run out of Mr. Euro's private office. So I don't know how he's not associated with it. Thank so you. So I'm going to tie to two of those four comments, the use of bonds in Measure M, uh, and then the uh, 
bringing in uh, private for-profit companies to help fund? Uh, are these feasible, or is that something to be considered? I, I, don't, I don't understand the second part. In terms of, of bonding, um, it's, it, it's really just, first of all, the, the measure has written into it a, a requirement that, that pay-as-you-go financing be the first priority, but where it makes sense to bond against future revenue to build a project sooner, um, the agency has the authority to do that. It's effectively no different than when I bought my first house. I said I could save money. Um, until I can buy that entire house in cash, or I could take out a mortgage and buy a house now and pay it back over 30 years, which is what I did but for my first house. Hold on, hold on, out. I'm answering the yes. question, and yes. then if she wants to let you have a follow-up, we can do that. But every single person here, I, 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 maybe a few people here were, were fortunate enough to be able to buy their entire house in cash the first time they bought it, so if, if so, I'm happy for you. I bought my house with a mortgage, and, and, and the, the government also has the ability to borrow against future revenue to deliver projects now rather than wait and leave the money uh, sitting in a bank account until they've collected money for 10 or 20 or 30 years and have the money to then build the project. I'll, I'll, I'll take a page out of, of, out of my friend Tom's uh, uh, playbook and say, how many of you believe that the government has the ability um, to put $20 million in a bank account every year until they have $350 million saved up to build a freeway interchange that needs to be needs to be rebuilt, it will never happen. So yes, in a case like that, it makes sense to bond against that, do it now. Who here thinks the 8065 interchange does not need to be rebuilt? Raise your hand. If you believe, hold on, hold on. I know your position. Anybody in the audience think the 8065 interchange doesn't need to be fixed? We got one, okay? We have two, you don't think, all right, good. There's no bag of goodies in there. Right, and, and it needs, and it need, and that interchange needs to be completely rebuilt. It does. Now, if you if you if you don't believe it needs to be fixed, that's okay. If you do need to believe it, believe it needs to be fixed, then you have to describe your plan to do it, because the mechanism in state law right now is for a local transportation sales tax approved by two thirds of the voters tied to an expenditure plan to get the job done. There, that is the mechanism in state law. We cannot raise the gas tax ourselves. Um, we can't impose a developer impact fee to fix the problems of the first 250,000 people who moved to Placer County without any transportation impact fee on their house. That is against the law to go back and, and try to fix problems that existed before the homes came here with new development. It's against the law. You can't do it with a 90% vote, Tom. So you cannot uh, you do can. that. And I'm yes, going so you to, cannot. And, yes. so I'm going to tie in a question on to Jeff's ending there in terms of, in terms of your reply to that. Uh, what would... So here's the proposal measure and they put on the table and we know you're against it. What do you suggest then over the next, like what would be your suggestions or your plan or changes or tweaks or major fixes for 8065 and everything else? Well, I think the, the biggest Let's thing start we need, Tom. Okay, thank you. Uh, the biggest thing we need to focus on, and I think we need to get serious and make transportation a priority in Placer County. And if we're going to approve 170,000, you know, homes for 170,000 new people, we need to get serious about how are we going to pay for the roads that those people are going to need. And one of the first things that's going to require, of course, is a developer impact 
that's not capped, and we're going to require public-private partnerships that don't necessarily mean mandates that might violate the law to my friend uh, Jeff Flint is referring to, but they can certainly do things voluntarily like the school that was built a few miles from here in West Roseville. And that's one of the things we need to take a look at. Another thing we need to take a look at is maybe we should stop approving new projects if there's no roads to go to those projects. That seems like common sense, but you know, common sense in government is sometimes not that common. And then one of the other points I want to raise is, is look, we're talking about as if our county is so poor. We're in one of the wealthiest counties in the state. During the period I've been here since the 90s, the budget has exploded. It's up to 816 million. We have a budget that has absolutely exploded on a per capita basis, on an inflation adjusted basis, on a per home basis. Every way you want to slice it, our budget has exploded, but our funding of road projects has not exploded in Placer County. It's actually remained remarkably similar to what it was two decades ago. So this is a problem of priorities and you don't fix priorities by raising taxes. That won't solve the problem. You're putting the same people with the bad priorities in charge of even more money, and they'll do even more wrong things. And my friend Jeff Flynn pointed out how things are done under current law. Let me just make a comment about something a few miles from here done under current law. When we had all the fixes done on Douglas Boulevard and the uh, sunset, um, Sunrise Interchange there, sorry, Sunrise had Interchange on Interstate 80, um, Congressman Doolittle got that funding through Congress, and when he was criticized for making earmarks, and I was present because I was laughing with him about this, uh, he turned and said, you know what, if we hadn't done it that way, those kooks, and he meant our local government folks, would have spent it all on public transit. So he literally had to say, no, you will not spend this money on public transit. You're going to spend it on Interstate 80. It's a federal freeway. This is federal money, and you're going to spend it properly. That's the way you get things done. You don't increase everybody's sales taxes from one end of the county to the other that gets no benefit from these new developments whatsoever. You don't increase all their taxes so that some developer will have to pay even less. That doesn't make any sense at all. The way you get things done is, is you fund them directly. The user of these roads should pay for it to the maximum extent possible. The people are going to profit from those 170,000 new people moving into the county should be paying for the impact of those, of those folks. And it shouldn't be pushed on to existing county residents. And it's not like we're so poor that we can't come up with $54 million a year out of our existing budget that has grown by hundreds of millions of dollars. And remember, 30% of this money goes to local cities, so it's a little unfair to just look to the $816 million county budget because we got hundreds more millions in the local budgets that are also going to benefit from this. So we're talking over a billion dollars, and this tax is only supposed to bring in if nobody ever goes up to Susanville to buy a rail car. Uh, you know, assuming that that never happens, as, as the proponents would have you believe, that no one will ever buy a computer switch, you know, a few miles outside of the county line to save $100,000, assuming that they're right about that, um, and there's still going to be, you know, $54 million a year that this is going to bring in, even with that unrealistic assumption, we could easily fund this out of the county's existing budget. Furthermore, we have every reason to think because the rest of the state has gone nuts and they're raising every tax in sight that we're going to get even more business here in Placer County if we keep our rates the lowest the state allows. It'll bring in even more money. That additional money should be dedicated to fixing these roads without raising taxes. Okay, so Mike, let's look at the yeah, no, Okay, no, I want to keep it to Sierra Club is against the Measure M and you said no. Don't vote on it. So what would you suggest instead? What would Sierra Club suggest instead to address the transportation issues, what would you put in place instead of Measure M? Well, uh, I was making a list earlier 
and um, didn't get to the question of increasing the sales ta state sales tax. Yeah, unfortunately, making, we're running out of time, so well, we're well, let, well, wrapping well, it up. And that's a, New Jersey just did twenty-three cents a, a gallon, uh, and I listed others earlier. But let's talk about sixty-five eighty right now. If you look at it, you need to look at it. What is now and what's proposed right now? There's one double lane that joins the two highways, and the rest are all single lanes. You have to look at the improvements, the unbelievable improvements, that, uh, and, the, and the auxiliary roads and the other things that that would turn into. It would create a Southern California-style overkill interchange. Now, if you look at the 50th, 50, this country, the top 50 congested uh, interchanges in this country, 14 are in California, 12 are in Southern California, one is in Oakland, one is in San Francisco. Now, if we build this, we will be working on trying to become one of those, and it's not going to so break the traffic. So what's the suggestion instead to do? Any, like, well, the, well, a blank this, check the, even, but the, what would the suggestion well, be? The, this, and this answers what Kirk was saying earlier. Um, we need to uh, talk about future development. There are ways to address transit needs for current development. But for future development, we need development that is, is transit convenient and friendly, where people can use it. And we need development that is planned around jobs, where people can get to work. And, and even now, we need bus lanes where people can ride on these major thoroughfares that weren't built. We're concerned about all these thoroughfares going in that, that are being done without planning ahead for transit. So yeah, the, yeah, the answer is to uh, make sustainable uh, development and not continue. Well, I, you know, I could sum up the whole environmental question in this way. Do we want to continue to be a bedroom community where people are going long distance, or do we want to have communities where people live and are for people who can get to work and, and play and all of that? And it, we, it takes a change. We are making developments that are just typical uh, sprawl, and we can change that. And we're going to try to change that. So Jeff and Kirk, I'm going to get let you have the last word, but I want you, based on what Tom and Michael have said, what they, have they said that could be considered, what you're doing? What have they said that you're like, we just can't, well, and why? First of all, other than advocating for earmarks, I didn't hear a solution from Mr. Hudson. I didn't hear anything that he was proposing that would, for instance, let's take the 8065 interchanges. Spend some of your $816 million as, on roads. As just one project. And Mr. Hudson, if as the leader of the taxpayers group, you'd actually looked at the county's budget, you'd see that we're spending $52 million of our $400 million general fund on roads. One eighth. One eighth. One eighth. Yes. Yeah. You want us to cut the sheriffs? You want us to cut the libraries? You want us to cut. Okay. Yeah, how about the bicycle the, giveaway the, program or the supervisor's the, pay raise? Uh, okay, sir. The, the, um, uh, the 8065 interchange. And this goes back to uh, uh, Mr. Beckett's question about bonding. When is bonding appropriate? Well, the 8065 interchange, first of all, we shouldn't have to pay for it at all. It should be entirely a federal and state responsibility. It's a federal highway and it's a state highway. However, that's not gonna happen. So we are left to our own devices. We have to figure out how we solve the problem. To the aforementioned earmark from Congressman Doolittle that got the road widened out to Eureka Road, we, Placer County Transportation Planning Agency, did that. That was our project. When we did that project, we managed to save $12 million in the construction of that project that went into the planning for this. So we used the savings from Congressman Doolittle 
in order to plan the 8065 improvement that we now have and we now have environmental clearance from all the regulatory agencies to begin construction. So to Mr. Beckett's question, when is bonding appropriate? Well, given that we have historically low interest rates right now, and we're already a AAA rated county, we've got the best credit, rate, credit rating you can get, I believe we should take advantage of the fact that we have a project that we could go to bid, if Measure M passes, we could go to bid this spring on getting that project built and in the ground. So I believe that is an appropriate use of the bonding and I think that was a question. Now, final point. Mr. Hudson's talking about the explosion in our budget and all the rest. He fails, however, to correlate that with the growth in our overall county population and the fact that it is the responsibility of counties, not cities. We bear the costs associated with district attorney, probation, defense, health and human services. Those are all county functions that are driven as your population grows, your, your costs for those things obviously grow. The important metric here is what is the county's actual revenue that we have received from property tax, which is our number one source of discretionary income from property tax. If you go back to 1993-94, when I was on the board the last time, the per capita property tax receipt by the county was $61. That's how much we got. This year, adjusted for inflation, we're at $72. That's an 18% increase over 23 years, or 0.8% per year that our revenues have increased. And how much of that increase what, went to roads? Yeah, let's, what, let's Kurt. What in costs of delivering service, whether it is our PERS obligations for our public employees, Mr. Hudson, whether it is our annual required contributions as those things continue to go up, just cost of materials, what has only increased 0.8%? Nothing. You inflation adjusted that number. Okay. Right. Now, and then... It's double inflation adjusted. Okay. This is why these people can't understand the impact of a sales tax increase. They're not good at math. Moving That's on the from sales tax, what Michael was commenting on, reply to that, Jeff, or about long-term foresight planning. I know, I know, Kirk, you said that you, it took a lot of time for you to get on board. Is this, the, is this the best way to do it? Is it the only way to do it right now? You still tonight have not heard a viable alternative knowing that over half the costs that we face in this plan are obligations that should otherwise be paid for by the state and feds, we, if we want to keep Placer County the great place that it is to live and work and do business, I see no other alternative and nobody has ever presented us with another alternative. And that's going to be the last word because we are running on 8 o'clock. I want to say thank you, gentlemen, for appearing. I know this is very contentious. Thank you. But I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. You obviously all have a big decision to make here in Placer County, and good luck.